Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome once again. As we continue on in the study that we're doing of the New Testament, we're working through a chapter at a time, and uh, we're in the book of Luke right now. We're in Luke chapter 23. We're coming to the end of the book of Luke. You know, when I uh, one of the things that fascinates me is so there's 24 chapters in Luke. So what, what that means is that we've been doing this almost a half a year, just the book of Luke, and it's kind of an interesting measure of time. Um, we're almost at a hundred studies since we started the New Testament. So we're almost two years in to our week-by-week study of the New Testament, which when we started, I told you, would take five years. So, uh, and some of you have been here for, for like all the two years. And uh, that's very cool. That's good. So you've gone through Matthew, Mark. We went headed in John. And we come back and done Luke, and uh, which will take us through the four Gospels when we... Uh, finish up this one. The next one we're going to is the book of Acts, and we did that on purpose because Luke and Acts were both written by the same guy. Who wrote Luke and Acts? Luke, thank you. Because <laughs> after six months, you ought to know that. Who did he write it to? Theophilus. What does Theophilus mean? Lover of God. So, we're fairly certain that it was an actual person named Theophilus, but even if it wasn't, it was written to all the lovers of God, which works, right? That's you. And me. And so, uh, so we got that. Luke, um, as we've talked about over and over again, was a historian. Uh, and, and he was very accurate in the way that he detailed things. And he researched uh, and really dug into what was happening. So he gives us a very accurate account of not only the ministry of Jesus, but of the early church, which is what's going to happen when we get into the book of Acts. And we... We get to find out um, from Luke primarily, and then uh, you know we'll start seeing Paul's take on it. But he really lays down for us the the sort of foundation of the early church and how it took off um, after the resurrection. But we are into some very difficult chapters now, I think, uh, of of the life of Christ. Um, we've we've proceeded through the, the the book, and we've seen his miracles and. We've read his teaching. We've uh, seen how he's been uh, pointing people towards the fact that they have to make a choice and that they need to choose to follow him in faith. Um, we've seen that some people have, but it's a pretty small group. Um, we've, we've watched the religious leaders completely go in the other direction, by and large, because they don't want to give up their sort of power and position. And they sell out, as we've seen. And that... Um, We've seen that there's consequences for not following Jesus. He's, he's talked about them um, along the way. And last time that we were together and we looked at Luke 22, we, we saw that Jesus had um, been arrested and that he had been be, uh, for the priests in a really a, a farce of a trial. If you would, it was done at night in somebody's house because they were afraid to do it out in the open during the daytime when it was supposed to be done, because they were afraid of all the people. And, and so um, they, they're beating up on Jesus and trying to get him to talk, and uh, they finally say, are you the, the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah? And Jesus says, I am, which is what they say, well, that's all the proof we need, that you need to be put to death, because they don't believe him, they believe he's a heretic. But Jesus um, has been telling people who he is, 
He's backed it up with his works. He's backed it up with the miracles. He's backed it up with his teaching. And they've chosen not to receive it and follow it. And so it's come to this event. Now, no. Uh, as we read the events of Luke 23 and even in Luke 22, that Jesus is always in control. Um, at any time, he could have stopped what was happening. Because he, before this time, uh, whenever they wanted to grab him, they couldn't. He would either walk through the crowd or just be impossible. He could do whatever he, he needed to do. And yet, it's time. And it's time for him to go to the cross uh, in order... That we might have life. Now, when I say these are difficult chapters, as you read through uh, Luke chapter 23, if, uh, at least for me, if I don't at some level disengage from the emotion of what's happening, I just can't sort of go through it. Because when I read it, I'm very much aware of the fact that he's doing that for me. And that that's my sin that's causing the problem. And that it's my sin that's causing the beating. And it's my sin that's causing the humiliation. And, and if you engage it, it's very difficult. And, and so, um, you know, at, at, at some place I take it in and then at others I'll, I'll just be reading it because the, the depth of the, and the reality of what's taking place is, is, is really more than, than I can sort of hang on to for any length of time because it's, it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened. And, and yet know that all the while, Jesus is in control. So, let's look at Luke chapter 23. There's 56 verses. I want to read them for you, and then we'll break it down and talk about it in the short time that we have together. Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. I use the NIV. You can read along in whatever you've got. You can read along in the notes. You can pick up one of the Bibles in the chairs if you would like. And uh, it goes like this. Then the whole assembly rose... And let him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, the king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he heard that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. Now, in the NIV, there's 
the number for verse 17 and no verse? Did you, if you see that, what happens there? Just, just so you know, we've talked about this. Um, when the when the NIV was translated, they had discovered older and better manuscripts than they had when they first translated the King James. I'm not picking on the King James. I'm just saying that historically and archaeologically, they had uncovered some older versions of the text, and in those older versions, this, that verse 17 was not present. In, in the older translations, what verse 17 says is something along the lines of, it was the custom for them to release a man at this time. So that's more or less that verse. All right, I'm not. I'm. I don't. I didn't write it down. You're shooting it at you. Okay. Okay. Um, with one voice, they cried out, "Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us!" Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them, but they kept shouting, "Crucify him!" Crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren woman, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered to him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. I often wonder what the mockers thought at that moment. Because that wasn't normal. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. 
But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So like I said, that's a pretty heavy chapter. And uh, there's a lot of things that take place in the events of the crucifixion. And, uh, and so, with, like I said, with the end of Luke 22, um, the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus. They had him, and they wanted him dead. We've been talking about that. And yet, um, because they were a nation at that time that was... Uh, uh, under Rome's rule. Uh, they were a conquered nation. And um, Rome had this way of governing that uh, worked like this, is that they would go and they would conquer a, a, a nation, a people, and um, they would basically eradicate the standing army that was there, and, and they would leave the government more or less intact. They would uh, get people that would work with them and leave them to sort of rule underneath them the, their, their people, and Rome would just sort of rule over them. And, and so that's the situation that you have in Israel at this time. They, they are basically, you know, uh, in Rome's, uh, under Rome's uh, auspices, if you would, authority. And so in and of themselves, while they have uh, ability to do certain things, obviously to arrest and to do some other stuff and to hold trials, what they don't have is the authority to execute. The Jewish leaders don't have it. Rome hadn't given them that authority. So they go to Pilate, who's the governor at, of Rome in that area. And uh, there's this thing that Luke points out in this first chunk of Scripture. Because the... Um, see, ultimately, Pilate, um, in the story, has the uh, power of life and death if you would, over Jesus. And, and, um, and yet, he really doesn't. And, and let me try and explain why. So, Pilate meets Jesus, and Pilate doesn't think he should be executed. So he sends him to Herod, who's sort of the, the Jewish king of, uh, of Galilee at the time. And, and Herod um, is not much of a ruler either, and kind of roughs him up a little bit, but he sends him back to Pilate, because he has no real authority. And what, what, what Pilate does, and what you need to see this, is Pilate says over and over again, there's no basis to have him executed. There's no basis for this man to be condemned. There's no basis, there's no grounds for this to happen. And yet, what he does is he gives in to the will of the people. And, and what you end up seeing is that he's really no ruler at all. The people are the ones that are ruling that situation. He's not even a little bit. Because he goes against 
all of his convictions in the process. This is someone who's not and shouldn't be condemned. This is someone who's, there's, he said there's nothing, there's no grounds, there's no way this should happen. And yet he caves and he gives in and, and he, he allows this to take place. Now, the, the contrast is that the real ruler there is Jesus. And he's the one who stands for his convictions. He's doing what he has to do. He has to go to the cross. He knows it. The time has come. And, and he's, he's what, what it looks like to be... I mean, he's, he's demonstrating again that he's Lord. Because he's doing what has to be done. And, and he's the only one. The others aren't. Because if Pilate stood on what should be done, he'd have let Jesus go. Regardless of this crowd saying, kill him and release the murderer. Do you get the paradox there? We would rather have a murderer than Jesus, who has spent the last three years ministering to the people and healing the sick and raising the dead and doing miracles and doing all that. We'd rather have the murderer released. At this point, that's how stirred up the religious leaders had them in the day. And so what Pilate does is, is order the death of a man that he firmly believes is innocent. And, and you need to see there's this crazy contradiction uh, that, that Luke um, paints for us in the process. And yet, it's also a picture of, of you know, just how Peter had caved in the last chapter. Remember Peter's convictions were, I'll never leave you. And yet, when the time came, he denied him three times because he could See, the, the thing is that, that Jesus was the only one who had the strength to do what needed to be done. He had to go to the cross for us. He had to. All of us have made the same kind of mistakes, the same kind of uh, failures, not standing on our convictions that, that Peter did, uh, that Pilate did. And yet... If he hadn't gone to the Christ, hadn't gone to the cross, there'd be no hope for us. But because he went to the cross, there's hope for all of us. He he alone demonstrates again that he's in control. Pilate's not in control. Herod's not in control. Only Jesus remains in control. And that's that story that's going on there in the first chunk of that whole passage. Then you see is you see the fact that he's in control demonstrated again in in verses 25 through 31. Um, even though at this point he's, he's struggling with the weight of the physical cross after the, the, the torture that he's endured, he sees these women that are crying for him and mourn, mourning, and he, he knows them, and he, he says, don't cry for me. But, but you really need to cry for yourselves. And he, is, he, he goes on, and that, that thing that he's launching into is that Jesus knows that uh, a time in the very near future of what's happening now is that the Roman army is going to rise up, and, and uh, they are going to completely destroy Jerusalem. And they will leave in their wake death, destruction, and horrendous famine for anyone that stays and is still alive at the time. And... and uh, See, see, that's what's that's what's coming up, and so he's he's he still demonstrates that he's in control, and he knows what happens, and he knows what's happening, and he's saying, this is this is heading in a really bad direction, because the the 
the people who they're not they're not choosing Jesus, and and that the, these things are taking place. Um, in verses thirty-two for forty-three, um, crucifixion is uh, was a. Um, I, all I've ever read about it, it was the most torturous, horrible way that that they knew how to kill people. Um, it was ex- excruciatingly painful. It was slow, um, and basically they suffocated um, while they hung on the cross. And 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 so it was a it was a horrendous way to be um, put to death. And 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 the Romans were were horrendous in the way that they tortured people that they were killing. And um, and I said before we started, I, I think about that, and I think about the fact that at any time he could have had angels come and take him off, and and he he didn't. He endured it. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. He endured the cross, and he did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for us. And and. Um, you know, the, if you don't know why, then, then you need to know that, that He did it so that we might live with Him forever. And, and the picture there of the two thieves, there's lots of allegory and stuff in there, but, but primarily what you need to see is that all of us have been like the thieves. See, because we've all sinned. That's Scripture. There's nobody here that, that doesn't deserve the punishment for sin, which is death. That's what the Bible says. The only one who didn't deserve it was Jesus. He's the only one who, who's been around ever that didn't deserve it. And yet, there He is on the cross taking our punishment. And the picture of the thieves um, is, is again this, this picture of, uh, of choosing in faith to follow Jesus or not choosing to follow Him. And, and um, when, when we see the... the, the the, the, the thief who repents and follows Jesus, it's a picture of, of people who, who put their faith in, in Him, who see um, in Him, uh, in crucified Jesus, the coming King, that the result of that, the promise of that is life now and forever. And that's the promise that Jesus makes to the one who says, take me with you, basically. You don't deserve it, I do. I mean, that's, that's the reality. See, that's the, that's the heart of it. That's the deal. Is that he didn't deserve it. We did, but he did it for us. That's why it happened. And he was the only one who had the strength to do it for us. And then in verses 44 through 49, I commented on it. As he dies, all of nature mourns. That's what the picture of darkness is that sweeps over the land. The nature, nature groans as the creator draws near his end here on earth. And yet, even in his death, Jesus is in control because he says, it is finished. And then he breathes his last and he dies. He was in control the entire time. And as he does, the work of redemption is complete. Sin is paid for. There's a way for relationship for us as sinners and a holy God in Christ. And, and, and this is uh, what happens in those verses. And then in those last few verses, they take 
Jesus' lifeless body. They wrap it in linen, which is part of the Passover thing. We've looked at it, but, but they wrap it in linen and they place it in a tomb. And then the Sabbath is upon them and there's nothing anybody else can do. And, and you know, I mean, this week, think about this. What do you think they thought? All the guys that had been with him, all the people that had followed him. That small, it was a small group at this point, but I, I can't even imagine what they must have been thinking. Because, you know, the whole time they kept thinking he was coming to take over, and they, they had this discussion constantly, and now these events happened really quick, and now he's dead, and he's in a tomb. And I just, I can't even imagine what they were thinking. I can't, I, I've, I've tried sometimes to think, how would that, just to, and, and yet, that's what was on them. But, the story wasn't over. And he's going to rise up in a couple of days and, and make a way for all of us. But you need to see that. And, it, so, and you need to see that he, you need to know that he died there on the cross. Some, they put to, sometimes people put these weird theories out there like he didn't really die. That he just sort of fainted. I'm serious. It's called the swoon theory. It's out there. Oh, Jesus didn't really die. He swooned. And they just needed a little nap in the tomb. And then he woke up and he hot-footed it out of there. It doesn't even make sense, but, but there's all this stuff out there. Because people don't... This is, see, people still struggle with the choice. See, the choice is still the choice. You either choose to follow him or you choose not to. That's, and that's the big question in life. You either choose to follow Jesus or you choose not to. One way brings life, and the other way doesn't. And it's, that's the issue. It's been that issue since he came. And, and, and so he leaves it there, but know that uh, it, it, it gets better here soon. And uh, we'll pick it up next week in chapter 24. All right, I'm going to shut it down there. Um, if you're watching by video, is somebody up in that room to turn off the video so I don't keep going on and on and on? If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. If you're up in Williston, hi guys, God bless you. Uh, good to see you, and uh, we're going to close it down here. If you need anything, you can call us or write us or email us, and we'll do whatever we can. Um, but that's it for today. If you have your prayer requests filled out and you want me to pray for anything, please pass them up to me, and I will pray for them, and then we'll call it a night.